Well, good evening, church. Probably a different face tonight than what you normally see up here. Uh, my name is Tim Hopper, the youth pastor, and um, I'm so glad you guys are here tonight. Pastor Mike, he's away on vacation this week, and he asked if I would uh, speak tonight. And so I had the honor and privilege to be here with you guys tonight, and I appreciate you being here and I'm excited about you being here. And if you're joining us online, we are so glad that you're here as well. Uh, if you got your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and take it out, and we're going to be turning it into the book of Luke, and we'll be in Luke chapter 22 tonight. Luke chapter 22 tonight. And so um, the title that I put on this message, it's kind of funny because I, I, I normally never title. They always ask me, Tim, what's your title for message? I'm like, I really don't have one. Uh, I, usually, I usually don't ever try to come up with a title, but this particular one I, I did. Um, and so I'd like to give that to you. Uh, the title for tonight's message is Praying If I Had Only Known. Praying If I Had Only Known. That phrase, if I had only known, when we think of that, we oftentimes think about probably a past action that we wish we hadn't done, or maybe a past decision that we could have undone and done something differently. And so when we think of that phrase of, I, I, uh, I wish I had it done differently, or if I had only known what the outcome was going to be, then things would have been totally different. And a lot of times we live with regret because of the decisions that we make, and we wish we had just only known what it was going to be like and what it was going to turn out to. Uh, so, and so, so therefore, sometimes we wish for different actions and different outcomes. But I want, to, I want to stop just for a moment and get you to think about something different. Instead of thinking about actions, I want you to think about prayer. If I had only known, if I had only known, how would I have prayed differently? leading up to the outcomes of what has been going on. If I had only known what was happening, how would I have prayed differently? Now, we probably don't think that way. That's not typically how we think. We think more about actions rather than our past prayer life. But I just wanted to throw out some suggestions to you or a couple ideas of maybe where that could kind of fit and maybe you can kind of click and understand what I'm talking about. So, for example, had I only known how difficult that marriage was going to be, Back when I was single, I would have been praying more. I would have been praying harder. Or if I had only known how difficult raising kids would be, I would have prayed a lot harder for patience, for wisdom, and for grace. Or how about this? If I had only known, if I had only known how scary getting the worst news getting the worst sickness or the cancer or whatever, that news coming, I would have prayed a lot longer and harder for my faith so that it would be stronger. Or maybe this one. Had I only known how heartbroken I would be in the loss of a loved one, then I would have prayed for more strength and I would have prayed for God to do the healing work in me as I have lost that loved one. But we don't typically think that way. We think more about our actions than we do about our prayer. And in, in our day today, there's a lot of things that are going on where we hear this word prayer over and over again. And many of us, we pray, but especially in light of what's going on in 2020, there is this heavy sense of a call to prayer. 
Matter of fact, our pastor had preached about this and he was calling us to prayer and calling us to pray about these things. And we, we've been hearing it everywhere. And matter of fact, you've probably even seen it on, on social media. If you've been on social media, you've probably seen these verses all over the place. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. We've heard that verse. We've seen that verse everywhere, plastered all over the internet and social media. And we hear that and we get this emphasis that we need to be praying. We ought to be praying. We should be praying. And for some of us, it's really easy to pray. And we pray most days about our, our daily needs. We pray for the well-being of our family. And for most of us, we pray really well about our wish lists and our want lists. But when it comes to things about what's going on in the world today, I don't know if you feel this way, but I have felt this way that I felt like I have become just numb and just become just like, I don't even know what to pray right now in light of everything that's going on. And so many times I'll start praying and I find myself drifting off in my thoughts and it's getting harder and harder to pray and to focus on what's going on in our world today around us and not only in the world around us, but also what is going on in, in my own life. And so I find it being more and more challenging for that. And so here we are called to pray and we know we should be praying and we have that mindset that yes, we need to pray. But are we finding ourselves in that same boat as as what I just described for myself? Having a hard time to pray about the things that are coming or the things that are going on. Well, in light of 2020, none of us knew what was coming. None of us. We all had dreams and ideas and plans. We had all these things that we were looking for for 2020. Matter of fact, my family, I remember on the, on the last night of, of the 2019 year, we gathered around to count down, excited about 2020. We had great plans. We were going to do some great things this year. Uh, we were going to go to Gatlinburg with all my family. My whole family was going to get together and we were going to be in this cabin together uh, in May. And we were looking for it. Our kids were looking for it. And we had all these plans mapped out for the summer and so excited about what 2020 was going to bring. And then COVID hit and everybody's changed plan, uh, plans changed. Every single one of us got the rug pulled out from underneath us. And all of our plans and all of our ideas and all of our goals completely changed, every single one of us. And so because of that, many people got really frustrated. Some people were filled with fear and anxiety. Some people were filled with frustration and anger. And some even were even angry at God and saying, God, what are you doing? How could you let my plans become ruined like this? And many of us are asking that question even now as we continue to see the different things going on, God, what are you doing? Guys, tonight I want to share with you two main truths. The first is this, God is at work. And he is at work in our world today. And nothing is an accident or by mistake or an oops to God. It is all unfolding according to his will and his plan. And the second is that, He is working in me. And in light of those two statements, that God is at work in this world and that God is at work in me, how should I be praying? How should I be praying knowing that God is at work in me 
and that God is at work in this world. Join me in, the, in chapter 22 of Luke as we look at a particular story from this passage that's probably very familiar with you. Luke chapter 22 and beginning in verse 39, we find ourselves in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus and his disciples have gathered to pray and this is right before he's carried off, arrested and soon sentenced to the cross. So in verse 39, follow along with me. It says, And he came out and proceeded as was his custom to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples also followed him. When he arrived at the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and he began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood, falling down upon the ground. When he rose from, the, uh, from, uh, from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow and said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not enter into temptation. While he was still speaking, behold, a crowd came. And that's where we're going to pause tonight. Join me in prayer. God, I pray as we come here tonight, Lord, to hear your word. God, I know that many of us have faced difficulties in this year. Some of us have, have been sick or we've known someone who's been sick. We've, some of us have lost loved ones, maybe not even due to covid some of us may have gotten terrible news this year. Some of us have, have maybe even had our jobs uh, taken away or, or, or we've had to take a, a leave for a time. We, we all have gone through difficult times these days. Our plans, our goals, the things that we had hoped for were taken away this year. And many of us have faced very difficult times. God, I pray that as we look to your word tonight, that we can find comfort, that we can find encouragement, and that we can ultimately see that you have not abandoned us, that you have not forgotten us, and that you are at work in us and through us. And so God, speak to us now through your word. And I pray this in your name. Amen. So the disciples were, um, they were gathered together in the garden, in this garden, and then they were all there. And if you kind of follow the story, you know, they finally got to the point where they finally have embraced and believed that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. And they've just had an incredible service, an incredible uh, special service with Jesus, a, a thing that they would constantly do in the in the and in the Jewish and the Israelite world, which was celebrating the Passover, they had just done this and they went out singing. And it, for them, this was probably a very special time for them to be a part of this. The disciples came out there into the garden as normal. That's what it kind of says. It's kind of normal thing that Jesus does. He leads them out into the garden of Gethsemane to pray and to be out there. And so he led them out there this night. 
And the disciples probably had no idea what was about to happen. But Jesus asked them to pray. And they were in that garden trying to pray. And of course, we see what happens. They're falling asleep. And Jesus is like, why are you falling asleep? Get up and pray. Get up and pray that you don't fall into temptation. And in some gospels, we see him constantly go back a couple of times before he finally uh, leaves them and, and then the crowd comes. But the disciples, you know, they, they had great plans. They had great plans and they were excited about what was the potential of happening. For the Jews, they believed that Jesus was going to be their messianic king. That Jesus was going to rise up to power that he was going to ultimately dethrone the Roman government and he was going to bring Israel up as a sovereign nation and there was going to be peace in Israel once more. The disciples had great plans and great ideas and they were so excited to see this unfolding. And so they were, they were looking for anticipation of what they thought God's plan was. But when the crowd showed up, their plans came crashing down. Their plans were destroyed utterly the moment he was arrested and taken and be sentenced to death. And in that picture, we see the disciples fleeing and running for their lives. Had the disciples only known what was going to be happening, how do you think it would have changed their prayer life? Had they only known what was just about ready to happen? How do you think that would have affected them in their prayers? I'll come back to that in a second. So let me just explain to you in this story here. This was God's will. And we know that. And we know that the cross was God's plan for salvation. God's, uh, the cross was the way for to make sinners uh, to be forgiven and to find salvation in him. We know that this was God's plan and God's will. And so we kind of see it from from this point of history. But from the disciples' point, they had no idea what was going on. But God was at work. God was working. And God is always working. And we need to understand that is that God is at work in our world today. Matter of fact, back in John chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus says this. He's telling some of the Pharisees this. He says, my father is working until now and I myself am working. God is at work in this world. He is always at work. He is not just some created God or a creator God who just created the world and is now sitting back just watching the world unfold. No, our God is up close personal in our world. Scripture tells us that he is the sustainer of life, that ultimately all things around in this world are living and breathing every single day because he sustains and holds life together. He is at work in this world, in creation, in nature, and even in the things that are going on around us. Our God is at work. Our God is raising up kings and kingdoms, and he is also tearing them down. Our God is fulfilling his promises And he is bringing everything unto a conclusion, which is the return of Jesus Christ. Everything is a part of his plan and everything is heading straight toward his will. The problem is, as we're living in the midst of this, 
Just like the disciples, sometimes we get so confused with the details, especially when it just doesn't make sense. And it's in those moments that we need to pause and stop and remember our God is working. Our God is working. And not only is our God working in this world, but our God is working in us. Our God is working in us. In Romans 8, 28, it says this. He says, he, that is God, is working for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God is working for our good. He is working his goodness into our life. And everything that happens in our life is for our goodness. And everything is causing us to grow and become more and more like him. And so every obstacle, every trial, every difficulty that we face in this life is God at work in us. Let me say that again. Every difficulty, every trial, every trouble, everything that we face that has just seemed so horrible is God at work in us. He is working. And we may be confused by the details, but he is at work. And since he's at work, we need to be praying for the work that God is doing, both in this world and in us. So therefore, if the disciples had only known what God was doing, how do you think that would change their prayer life? Now, for a moment, I just kind of want to, I want to pause just for a moment and just, just now I'm going to be speculating. Now, this is just pure speculation. So, so just bear with me just for a second. But let's just put ourselves in the disciples' shoes in the Garden of Gethsemane at that very moment when they're supposed to be praying. What do you think that they would be praying? How do you think they would pray? What kind of things would they be praying for knowing what was about to happen to Jesus? Well, let's look at Jesus. What was Jesus praying? Jesus was very upset. We can kind of see that night. I mean, we see how, how emotional he was. We also see, saw how distraught he was. It says that he was, he was in so much distraught that he was bleeding sweats of blood. He was in so much distraught about what was going on. And he was in deep prayer with his father, praying about what was about to happen. But he was praying, not my will, but your will be done, God. Your will be done. And so we see God, uh, see, we see Jesus in his prayer. What do you think the disciples could have been praying? If I was one of the disciples knowing now what has happened, I would have probably been praying for, you know, God, help me to be faithful. Help me to be faithful. God, give me the strength to face the challenge that is coming. God, may I not give into my flesh of fear and my flesh of anger, but may I totally trust in you. Unfortunately, the disciples didn't know what was coming, but neither do we. Neither do we. No one knew that 2020 was going to be like this. No one knew how difficult it was going to be, but we don't even know about even about tomorrow. 
Matter of fact, if many of us knew what was going to happen tomorrow, many of us would have been on our knees all day long today. But we don't know what tomorrow holds. But we do know the one who holds tomorrow. We know the one who knows all things. We know the person who is in control of everything. Many of us during this time may be worried about the virus. We may be worried about our job. We may be worried about the election or all these different things that are coming up. We don't know what's going to happen, but God does. God does. And no matter what happens, God is in control and he is working and everything is working according to his plan. It may not turn out the way we had planned, just like the disciples. It didn't turn out the way that they had hoped, but it, it will always turn out according to his plan and to his will. And although we may not understand the details, God is at work. Now, many of you know my story, my testimony. I've shared with that many times, but I thought it was relevant to bring it back up again tonight, specifically talking about my son. So after, after, uh, after college, my wife and I got married. We moved off to seminary with great dreams, with great hope. We were excited about the future. We were excited about serving God. And we were excited about having a family. And one of our dreams was going overseas in the mission field. And we were so excited to serve God. Matter of fact, as we looked at the seminaries, we chose the most, uh, the most uh, giving and sending missionary uh, seminary that there was. And we chose Southeastern at the time because Southeastern was sending so many missionaries and their focus was so much on the missions. And we were excited about going. And when we got to, the, when we got to seminary, uh, we began our classes. We began going about uh, our normal you know, schedule. They had a program that were, which was called 2 plus 2, which means for two years of your seminary degree, you were in the, in the state learning and growing in, uh, at the seminary. You were, you were doing your education there. But the, the last part of the two years, you went overseas and you served overseas as part of your seminary degree. And through the process... Uh, we were excited. Matter of fact, we had already discovered that, you know, we were going to be going to Africa, to Mozambique, Africa. And we were really excited about the work that we were doing. We'd already kind of got to know the people and we were working towards learning everything we could about it. And it was during the times of seminary that over and over, over and over again, our plans kept getting interrupted and getting changed. And finally, it came to a point where we had to abandon that dream and that idea in seminary. And what we said was, it's not time right now. Apparently God has other plans for us for right now, not right now. And so we changed direction. Instead of focusing on becoming a missionary, I focused more on becoming a pastor. And I began taking classes like that and eventually uh, went into uh, doing youth ministry full-time after seminary. And I've loved it, enjoyed it. And God has given me a passion for teenagers. And I love teenagers. And I love sharing the gospel with them. And I, and I love wor uh, working with them and seeing them grow in Christ. And I really think that God has given me an incredible gift and an opportunity to do that. But during those days of serving, 
my wife and I had another itch of like, we really need to be overseas. God is calling us overseas. We just felt like that's what we were supposed to do. That was our hopes. That was our dreams. That was our ideas. And so we began the process of doing the interview with the IMB and trying to become missionaries once more. And during this process, we be, uh, my wife became pregnant with my son, Jacob. And Jacob, uh, uh, he was my firstborn boy. You know, I had two other girls before him. And I was so excited about my son. I was finally, you know, no, no apologies to my, or no, no, you know, no worries to my daughters. You know, Ella, Ava, Olivia, and Sophia, I love you. You're wonderful girls. But Jacob is my son. You know what I mean? He is my son. Fathers know what I mean. He's my son. And I was excited about having my son born. I was finally got my son every time I had hoped for a son. You know, Ella came and I was really hoping. We had already had the name picked out and everything. And it was a girl. Did it again. And it was a girl. Finally, third time, I got it right and we got a boy. And we were so excited about having Jacob. But it was during that time that we discovered that Jacob had something in the ultrasounds that just didn't, just wasn't right. And of course, during this whole time, I had no idea what was going on. My wife is a researcher. She loves to research. She loves to understand and know what's going on. But, um, but I'm not that way. And so I was kind of going through this blinded. She did a lot more research than I did. But we come to find out that my son has cystic fibrosis. He had CF. And I had never heard of this before. It was not in my family and it was not in her family. It just came out of the blue. And when we find out exactly what it is, it's a terminal disease. It is a terminal disease. And it affects the kidneys, it affects uh, the lungs, it affects the pancreas, it affects all the different organs. All the different organs are affected by, uh, by this disease. And, and because of modern medicine, there, we have great technology today that helps prolong the life of cystic fibrosis uh, patients. And we are so thankful for that. But I really had no idea what I was getting into. And when we discovered it, I just remember being so numb. Just numb, just not really knowing what to pray, what to do, and just kind of walking blindly through this. Uh, my prayer life really struggled during that time. I didn't know what to pray. And, and so going to the, after Jacob was born, I, uh, he had to be taken from Columbus. That's where he was born, it was Columbus, Georgia. He had to be taken from there in the ambulance to Atlanta, Georgia, because of complications at birth that he had to deal with. And I, I, went, I remember going up into the, uh, to the hospital in Atlanta, going into the NICU. I had no idea what I, what to expect or what was going on. And I remember asking the nurse, I, I was like, so, so how long are we going to be here? This was like in the weekend. And I was like, how long are we going to be here? Are we going to be here till Monday? Can I go home Monday with, with, with Jacob? You know, what's, what's the deal here? And I remember the nurse says, you have no idea what's going to happen to you. You don't have no idea what this, what's, what's going on to you. And I said, I really don't. She says, you need to prepare for being here probably for weeks or maybe even months. You don't know. And I just remember hitting me so hard that night. That was a very hard thing to hear and difficult. And as I began to continue to learn about this disease, it just broke our hearts. And it was difficult. And, and I remember how hard this was to having a son that was, that was, um, who was dealing with this. But we were so thankful for people around us who loved us and prayed for us and who ministered to us during those days. And it was amazing to see 
that God was working in the light of that. And we see that. We can look back now and see how God was working. It didn't feel like it in the moment, but God was at work. He was working in those moments. But not only was he working in those moments in Jacob's life and just around, he was working in my own heart. He was helping me in my own heart to, to understand and to grasp and to trust and to walk hand in hand day by day with the Lord. And during those times, the Lord has taught me many things. And I can look back now and see the work and hand of God working in me and how he was teaching me to trust him, how he was teaching me to put my confidence in him and my faith in him. And I can see how he was growing me during those days. It wasn't easy at those days. No one, can, no one ever takes those, those words that they hear easily. And no one is prepared and ready to hear those difficult words or those terrible things that you face. No one's ready. But we can know the one who is in control of all things. And we can go to him. What I want to do tonight for you is I wanted to give you a different perspective. A different perspective of how to see things. Seeing that, hey, you may be facing some difficulties today. You may be going through some difficult times. You may be dealing with some very hard things. But I want you to understand and know that God has not abandoned you. He has not forgotten you. You're not going through this alone. He is with you through this. He is going through this with you. Here are some things that I've kind of learned as I've walked through this. I've learned that I needed to be in daily prayer. Daily prayer. Trusting him. And some days I need days where he just has to carry me. So my challenge or my, my, my encouragement to you guys tonight is this. Learn to trust God. Learn to put your faith in him. Learn to let him carry you through those difficult times. I've also learned that when you follow Jesus, sometimes we don't always end up in the most exciting places. Sometimes we end up in the Garden of Gethsemane. Sometimes we face those difficult times. But know this, it's in the Garden of Gethsemane when God, where God is at work the most. It's in those times of trouble and difficulties and, hard, and hardships that we know and we can see and, and, and we can trust that God is at work. Remember that in that story that Jesus was only a stone's throw away. He will never be further than a stone's throw from you. He will be with you. And as you walk in these days and as you do this, and as you try to depend upon him and trust in him, begin looking for his hand at work. Begin seeing what he's doing inside of you and trusting him. And when it is hard to do that and when it is so difficult and it is just like I don't see him at all, trust in his heart. When you can't trace his hand, trace his heart because his heart loves you. You are his child and he has promised to be with you, never leave you, and to complete the work in you. So in light of everything that's going on today, how should we be praying? Well, 
I think my prayers would be like this, Lord, tomorrow, may I be faithful to you. May I put my faith in you and may I stay close with you. Lord, strengthen me. Strengthen me for what comes tomorrow. Lord, I pray that my flesh does not give in to fear and that my flesh does not get in the way and my anger get in the way. And Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for tonight, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to hear this. God, I know that we come from all different walks of life, Lord, and we have so many things that go on in our life that many of us probably don't even know. And if we took time to sit down to hear the things that are going on, it would probably shock us and we would be so overwhelmed. God, we do face difficult days. We do face difficult times. And sometimes it is just so difficult and so hard and we don't feel like we can take another step. God, I pray at those moments that we will learn to trust in you, to learn to trust that you are at work. And God, that we would just pray crying out to you. God, I also pray for healing. Many of us are hurting and we just need to know that you are there, that you care. God, remind us that you are never further than a stone's throw away. That you're the friend that sticks closer to us than a brother. That you walk through the valleys with us, that you never lead us, leave us. God, remind us that you are with us and that everything that we're facing and going through, there is a purpose, there is a reason. It's not by mistake, it's not by accident. And although we don't understand the details, God, give us the confidence in knowing that you love us, that we can trust in you during those moments. And God, when we can't even get up, God, I pray that you would carry us day by day as we daily pray for the things that come our way. We love you, Lord Jesus. God, we ask that you would just bless us and keep us safe as we travel home. For those who are at home, Lord, I do pray that you would just, that you would just bless them, that you would keep them safe, that you would continue to watch over them, that you would continue to grow them. God, let them know that you are, that they are loved by you. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed tonight.